And welcome into the Duck Territory podcast. I'm Matt Frame. Eric Scopel is across the way. Hey guys. It's Monday afternoon following Oregon's 45-24 victory over California on Saturday. If you're listening to us on Facebook Live, uh, thank you. Go ahead and start dropping in your comments in the comment section on Facebook Live and we'll start, we'll answer your questions periodically through the podcast. Uh, if you're listening on the podcast version of the show and you want to know how you can listen to us live, all you gotta do is go to facebook.com slash Oregon247. Give us a, give us a like there. Uh, we typically will do these interviews, we'll do these podcasts Monday afternoon, Monday mornings. Uh, I guess depending on where you are mm-hmm. in the United States, uh, for us, we do it Monday, a- Monday morning around 10.30 in the morning Pacific time before we go over to Willie Taggart's Monday press conference. But let's get into it. Uh, again, so if you're on Facebook Live, go ahead and drop questions. We'll get to those throughout the show. Oregon wins 20, 45-24 uh, against California. They improved to 4-1. and one. They've equaled their win total from 2016 mm-hmm. in just five games. Um, I think, Eric, it's safe to say this team probably should be 5-0 and oh, and probably in, ranked inside the top 20, but they had that little hiccup at ASU. Yeah, and unfortunately, looking ahead, that, that could potentially cost them fairly significantly in terms of maybe bowl eligibility in terms, and in terms of where they end up in terms of bowls, but... That's behind them now. They need to focus their attention to Washington State. That's going to be a tough challenge. And we can kind of jump right into it. The, the story that everybody's asking these questions right here, we can jump into the, the injuries. I mean, yes. It was, uh, it was not a good day. Matt has, looks like about a quarter of the Oregon <laughs> two deep, uh, was injured in the game, which is absolutely astronomical. Um, and it's not just like a couple of guys that were not big contributors. These are like, Team leaders in multiple categories going down yeah, early and often on Saturday. We made two different lists. We went and went through the depth chart that they had posted for the Cal game going into it. Um, and off that two deep, Dylan Mitchell, Jake Basarchik, Jacob Breland, Justin Herbert, Taylor Alley, Royce Freeman, Kalana Apalu, AJ Hodgkins, Tyree Robinson, and Nick Pickett all either didn't play, got hurt in the game, or in the case of Robinson, uh, was ejected from the game. So Oregon uh, was basically playing in the second half at, at one point with about a quarter of their two yeah. deep unavailable. I, and it's just remarkable that they rolled on and won. Yeah. I mean, it truly is. I, I think I asked at halftime on Twitter just everyone's confidence level, and basically you know, Oregon at that point was up 10 points to 17-7. They just had that. Unfortunate turnover that led to the Cal's only touchdown in the first half, and every you know the majority of people that responded said zero to one percent. So people were not feeling good at the half, and and yet Oregon comes out and they kind of figured things out offensively. The defense plays tremendously once again, and and they kind of roll on to a win, and it's a win that comes with a lot of cost, though, as we mentioned, and um, some very key parts of the Oregon offense, in particular, hit um, guys that. Oregon depends upon greatly, and now you get into your meteor schedule here, and it's like, boy, this is going to be could be potentially tough, tough sledding here, depending upon the length that some of these guys are out. People are asking, should we jump into kind of what we've heard a little bit here right. on injuries? Yeah, so what we know so far, we've reported uh, on DuckTerritory.com, and so has I think the Oregonian Sports uh, Sports Illustrated's Bruce Feldman, and also um, Comcast Sports Northwest. Uh, Justin Herbert sounds like he's going to have a broken collarbone. Um, Willie Taggart was non-committal on, on saying what happened, what the diagnosis would be on Sunday, only to say 
we'd know more on Monday. You and I were, as we were walking back to the press box, we, we basically agreed that's code for we want a second opinion. Mm-hmm. We want to, you know, just run more tests just to confirm of what we know right now. Now, that's us reading into things and, you know, what Tagger said. Tagger never said that himself, but we've heard, we've reported that uh, other people, other outlets have also reported that Herbert's out with a broken collarbone. The question then becomes, what's the time frame for that? We've heard four to six weeks. Uh, out, other outlets have reported four to eight weeks. Uh, other outlets have reported that it could be season-ending. Um, collarbones are, you know, some some people can heal quickly and get back into play. Other other people heal slowly. You know, this is the human genetics part where uh, how quickly does Herbert's bone mm-hmm. heal itself? Um, and I guess the one positive silver lining, if there is one, it's on his left side. It's not on his throwing shoulder. Yeah. Um, but still, it's, it would be a painful injury to you know constantly be hit with. Uh, and so it looks like. Oregon's going to be without probably, I think, their most important player on offense. Uh, not most talented, but most important. Well, yeah, I mean, the quarterback is almost exclusive. It's almost always going to be the most important, especially when you have especially for this of, team, of Justin, caliber, or Justin Herbert's caliber. And then you match that with what is very inexperienced depth behind him or a depth that, not to be mean to Taylor Alley, isn't quite on the same stratosphere in terms of the talent level. Um, Taylor Alley also hurt in the game. Yeah. We think that's a concussion. Yes. And which means he's probably unlikely to play this week, which puts the, uh, the ball in the hand of two true freshmen, uh, Braxton Burmeister, who's a, who's a scholarship player, a four-star recruit, um, from the San Diego area, and Akili Smith disciple. There's a familiar name. I actually wrote a story about him, uh, their relationship back in, uh, March, and then also Mike Irwin, who's a walk-on from Lake Ridge. Lake Ridge. Um, a true so, freshman walk on. So you've got two true freshmen who are playing a top ten team at home. Uh, not optimal, <laughs> to, to put it lightly. Um, but it'll be interesting to see kind of how Oregon molds this offense around him. We saw some success with basically no passing game against Cal in the second half. Um, and and kind of like we said on Saturday, the fortunate thing was is that because Herbert and the offense had some success early on. They were given a 17-point cushion, which kind of allowed them to run the ball a lot if they're down. This is probably a team that is not capable of getting down three scores and having much of a prayer of coming back, unless unless Braxton Burmeister is much more equipped throwing the ball than we expect him to be and that we've seen him be um, so far this year. Yeah, Oregon threw for 41 yards in the second half. Mm-hmm. They threw for 131 uh, in, in the first half, and of those 131, uh, 86 came from Justin Herbert in the first quarter. Um, yeah, so this offense is going to look drastically different, and I, I think it's also safe to say, Dimitri Birch, put on a red jersey, you're going over to quarterback. I think that'll happen. Maybe someone like Ty Griffin, who was a, you know, this is totally speculating here, spitballing Ty Griffin, a guy who was recruited to play at Georgia Tech, a quarterback, was an option quarterback there, currently is a reserve corner that doesn't play a ton. Maybe they give him some an opportunity. I think you just kind of have to find anyone that's got quarterback experience, <laughs> give him a shot, because you're going to go into this game you know, potentially one unfortunate hit like they saw twice over the past weekend from a walk-on true freshman who probably didn't expect to play significant snaps at all in his Oregon career from being the guy. Right. And uh, that is not a good spot to be in. People are also asking um, Royce about Freeman. Royce Freeman, about we, other players. We've heard, with, we've heard with Freeman uh, a potential shoulder injury, and for him it could be just like Justin Herbert – 
but even more so of a fluid situation. You know, we've heard a lot of he's going to be out a week. He could be back this week against Washington State too. He could be he could be out a month or six weeks. Uh, it's it's all going to kind of just depend on how quickly the tightness, the soreness of his injury goes away. I was told it's not a break, um, which is very good. Of course. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he he's going to be limited. You know, it's we're going to hear a lot of week to week stuff. I think with a lot of these guys, with whether it be concussions or whether it be other sorts of injuries, uh, this Oregon team is completely banged up now. And you go through the list of guys that started week one and are out. I think one of the things we said going into this season was depth yeah. and concerns of depth. And that Oregon could withstand a couple injuries, but if they get a rash of them, uh, things could go downhill quickly because they weren't at the full 85 limit for scholarships going into the year. Uh, I think they had like 96 players on roster going into the year, so they didn't have a ton of walk-ons either. Yeah. And at some at certain positions, like tight end, at quarterback, uh, at inside linebacker, depth is not there. There, there. There's one or two guys and then a whole bunch of question marks. And I mean, you, all three of those positions started to cut you off. Oregon is more than likely has a backup or a starter as a walk-on yeah. at those spots. I mean, that's how bad it is at those, at those positions. You know, and it's no slight to the previous staff, but they kind of left, you know, at certain spots, obviously there's a lot of talent, a lot of depth. At certain spots, they kind of left the cupboard bare. <laughs> and you, you go and you look at who Oregon started week one uh, against Southern Utah, and you just run down the list of who's not playing. You've got seven starters who are out. Uh, Charles Nelson, Dylan Mitchell, Jacob Breland, Justin Herbert, Khalil Oliver, who isn't hurt, but he has left the team, uh, AJ Hodgkins, and then most importantly, Royce Freeman. And then you've also got two backups who were probably going to be starters, uh, in Kalana Apalu. He got hurt against Southern Utah and, or against California, and he started that game in place of AJ Hodgkins. Yeah. Uh, Taylor Alley got hurt and he was, you know, the de facto backup to Justin Herbert. So you've got guys who going into the year, you're missing seven of your 22 starters and, from the group and, and two very critical linebackers, uh, debt backups that are, that are key for this team. I mean, it's just, it's kind of remarkable. And if you even go back a little further, I think coming into the summer, we were talking about the key to this, te- the, the key skill positions on this team were Justin Herbert, Royce Freeman. Jacob Vreeland, Darren Carrington, and Charles Nelson. The Oregon is currently without every single one of those guys. Yeah. And that is, I mean, it's just, it's kind of incredible, you know, in a very sad way, if you, if you support this Oregon football team, just how sideways things went so quickly. I mean, Oregon, just to kind of go back to Saturday's game, that was about a perfect start for that first Absolutely. 10 minutes of football there. They played excellent defense, excellent defense for, yeah. for four quarters, but that offense was, it looked like it was just, on a roll, looked like they came out finally on a rhythm, which is something we hadn't seen in previous weeks. And then to see not only your starting running back go down, but your starting quarterback, your leading receiver go down, amongst all these other injuries, was really kind of devastating. And and once again, you it took them a little bit, but they, they finally seemed to find a rhythm. Now it's a matter of whether or not they can carry that over um, against Washington State. And it's not a cupcake from here. I mean, they, they play the, the, the meat of their schedule, and it's going to be very challenging for Oregon to win, I think multiple games over the next five weeks. I think going back to Saturday's game, we saw why Oregon's paying Jim Levitt over a million dollars a year. <laughs> right. We saw why they're spending uh, over a combined, I think, one and a half million dollars for 
Arroyo and for Crystal Ball, uh, or, or not maybe, maybe it's just under a half, one and a half million yeah. combined for the two offensive coordinators and why they're spending just huge amounts of money for this assistant coaching staff, uh, under Willie Taggart because you lose the guys that they lose in the last couple of seasons at Oregon, uh, 2016, 2015, and not only do the wheels fall off, the wheels fall off, they get burned to the ground, <laughs> the, the, the car loses the doors, and the windshield gets smashed. Uh, the, I mean, the fact that they won the game, and not only just to win, they kind of blew them out. Yeah. I mean, you could kind of say that you know, it was ugly, kind of got into it there in a, in a strange way, but the Ducks kind of dominated California. You, you eliminate the interception that Taylor Alley threw in the second quarter. Uh, that was late in the first in the first half yeah. that led to a touchdown, uh, and and this is a game that ends forty five seventeen, and you had a, a touchdown that got tacked on late with three minutes and seven seconds to go in the game by Cal. Mm-hmm. They almost pitched a shutout. I mean, there was really one one play as a defensive side of the football where yeah, you don't want to allow touchdowns. After the, the turnover in the second quarter, you don't want to allow a touchdown late in garbage time. But there was really just one score that Cal had that it was like crap. We had our, our first team defense in there. We were, you know, the game was still kind of in, in jeopardy there a little way. You know, it could go either way. We gave up one touchdown. It's worth noting that that one touchdown was, I believe, a 75 yard pass. So they just basically got beat really, yeah. really for the first time all season for a long explosion play. I think that was the first time they've given up a touchdown over 50 yards yep. on the season. And that was a 75 yarder. Um, I think in the, in that third quarter there and that, and that felt like, I think to everybody like, uh oh, I don't know if they're going to be, if Cal's going to be able to come out and do this. I don't know if, if Oregon's going to be able to respond. And I think it was then, was it Can I Benoit with a 66 yard yes. touchdown run on the next series to, to kind of flip things back and, and Oregon kind of never looked back from there. And a ton of kudos and I, I, gave, I gave my game grades, um, yesterday. A ton of kudos deserved to both the Oregon offensive line and the Oregon defensive line. I gave both groups A plus marks because Cal could not run the football. Nope, they finished the game with eight yards. Unbelievable, eight yards rushing. And they, 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 at one point they had zero yards yeah. midway through the fourth quarter. They added some late there, kind of in garbage time. The other Oregon offense ran for over three hundred and forty yards, I think, or three hundred and thirty-six yards. Three hundred and thirty-four yards rushing with out their top running back. And a lot of credit, also, obviously, also due to Ken Ibenwan and Tony Brooks James for picking up the slack and. Those are two, that is a position where they do have quite a bit of depth. We talk about positions they don't have depth. That, that is one where they're very fortunate. But the offensive line was tremendous in this game. Um, opened up big hole after big hole. I mean, Cal knew what was coming. This Cal staff, more so than just about any staff in the conference knows, because there are a lot of Oregon connections. Oregon connections. I mean, Steve Greatwood was part of this team last year. He knows kind of Taylor Alley's limitations. He knows that Oregon is not going to be able to throw the football anywhere near as successfully without Justin Herbert. And yet Cal loads up the box and Oregon continues to rip off five, six yards of carry. And um, major kudos to Mario Cristobal and his group. Also a lot of credit deserved to the receivers and the tight ends blocking. I know it's no fun not getting the football, but they did what they needed to do. Yeah. And Oregon was able to get out of town with the win. And now it's a matter of regrouping and seeing if you can figure out a game plan to make up for what will be a, a just a completely decimated offensive group. You you look at this second half and they scored touchdowns on if you eliminate the the, the final drive of the game where they're just taking knees, um, you eliminate that drive. So the, the 
four last meaningful drives Oregon had uh, in this game. Three plays, 75 yards, touchdown. Three plays, 18 yards, touchdown. Three plays, negative two yards, punt. Three plays, 23 yards, touchdown. I mean, they they did what they needed to do, and they did it all on the ground. And then in the, and I think where the game was won was in the third quarter. Oregon only scored seven points, but they had the ball for 10 minutes and 32 yep. seconds. And they had drives that went 13 plays, 73 yards, 4 minutes, 8 plays, 22 yards, almost 4 minutes, 7 plays, 21 yards, 2 minutes and 40 seconds. And this was a defense that in the second quarter, they played a ton of snaps. Mm -hmm. They were out there. uh, In the second quarter, uh, Cal had the ball for like 7 minutes, but it it seemed like they were really long drives for the the defense. and this was a game you knew the defense was going to have to step up and win the game. And so the offense, even though they only had seven points, were able to give them a ton of rest, mm-hmm. keep them fresh. And we saw a defense just straight up dominate in the fourth quarter. And is there any question that that strategy is going to be what Oregon will have to do against Washington State Absolutely. next week? They're going to have to really, and it's not fun to watch. I mean, Oregon fans have been blessed to see some offenses that average, and it's worth mentioning, we're, Oregon's, I think, still leading the country in scoring average. Yes. And, and we're talking about how bad the offense <laughs> looked, and obviously for a lot of uh, reasons that aren't their fault. But uh, this this offense will look very different, I think, going forward. And like I said, Oregon has been blessed to, to have some fantastic offenses. This may be a team where they need to just run the run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, try to run four or five minutes off the clock each drive and, and try to win games with – Scored in the 20s, which feels crazy to think about with Oregon. And well, it's the, the the entire outlook of this season has flipped. Mm-hmm. Because going in, it was, okay, Oregon's going to need to win shootouts. To get these upsets against a team like a, a Washington State yeah. or a team like USC or Stanford or Washington, you know, the upper echelon teams in the Pac-12, the, the feeling was, hey, Oregon needs to get shootouts. They, they need yeah. to win 56 to 48 or, or something of that nature. And right. now with Herbert out, and the the feeling now is lean on the defense because the defense is probably better than, way better than, than expected. And let's shorten the game and see if we can just grind out victories. And that's, I mean, I mean, I looked at the stats yesterday. Oregon is allowing two less yards per that's play. That's insane. That's just... That's, per play. And it has that, I wrote a story up there and it has a huge effect on just the defense as a whole. Their numbers are so much better across the board. Oregon is in the top 30 in just about every major key statistic besides scoring defense. And that's largely because Oregon's offense scores so much, giving the other team a lot more opportunities. Two questions here. Um, one of which is injury related. What do you, how about that? Uh, Matt Ribner asks, is Charles Nelson due back for Washington State? Probably not. Yeah. Uh, it, it doesn't sound like he's going to, He's going to try, but again, those are one of those deals where it's just going to be week to week with him. Really bad ankle sprain um, that he suffered, and and for Oregon, they'd love to have him back. Uh, I'm sure he wants to be back, but how how much is he going to be able to help you if he can't run, the, you know, downfield and hold blocks or or yeah. use his speed? Um, so I would say doubtful for for Charles Nelson. And then that's also unfortunate. Another guy that they would like to focus on an offense and. He won't be there more than likely. And then Cliff Garner asks, do you see Burmeister actually throwing the football? He's going to have to throw the ball some. I mean, you're not going to win a football game, you know, running, running the ball 60, 80 times. Yeah, running the ball 60, <laughs> 70 times. Um, 
I, I think he's he's a guy that's developing his arm. Um, he has pretty decent arm strength. His accuracy's kind of been the issue from what we've seen. Um, tremendous athlete, and, and this is the unfortunate thing here where with the little depth behind him, you really can't utilize him the way you'd like. And the way you'd like to utilize him probably is, is have him involved in the, the run game with the zone read. He's a guy that has incredible speed, probably the fastest quarterback Oregon has had since, since Mariota. Um, you can't really utilize his running ability the way you'd like to. And now it, it's like, how, how, how much do you want him to be throwing the football? Is he going to throw the ball vertically? Is it going to be a lot of stuff underneath? I mean, if Oregon is as one-dimensional as we think they might be, it becomes easier and easier and easier for um, Washington State's defense, which has actually been a very improved group, to kind of key in, put nine guys in the box, and force Oregon to try to throw it. And now it'll, it'll be interesting to see how Burmeister responds. Yeah, they're going to need to throw the football in some kind of capacity. But the thing that stinks here and this is what's going to put Oregon in a bind is that when you have a when you have a young quarterback or you've got a guy like who's unproven you know the best way to to get that quarterback or any quarterback kind of in a good rhythm build some confidence are simple plays and simple passes yeah. and those and football grand team of things are screen passes to the outside with receivers or screens you know on with running backs uh Hitting out, you know, quick, quick slants or quick outs, you know, quick passing game. And for, for Oregon, they can't run a lot of the screens that you would typically want to run because they don't have the size outside at receiver to hold the blocks. Right. You know, they're, they're asking slot, who guys who are built playing the slot, catching the screen balls, uh, <laughs> to, Hold blocks and then have another guy catch the ball and, and yeah you don't need to be six foot five to hold blocks we've, we've seen that with Keenan Lowe um, we, we've seen that with guys like Braylon Addison and, and Josh Huff who are you know five ten and, and or smaller yeah. and can you know Charles Nelson's done it before and can hold blocks but <laughs> so far to date you know we, we haven't seen that yet out of Oregon's receiving core and that's going to limit you know kind of the playbook of what they can run a little bit. You know, we'll still see the running back screens, and maybe we'll see some tunnel screens in, into the into the into the, where the offensive linemen are to help you know spring some stuff. But Burr actually is going to need to throw, and they're going to need to be able to get him whether it's RPOs, uh, maybe rolling him out a little bit. Yeah. Um, my biggest question is is you know Burr, Burmeister isn't necessarily the, the tallest guy. He's you, you look on the the roster here and. He's listed at six one, and I don't think that's even close to being accurate, five eleven. Being accurate, yeah. and how you know when you have a smaller quarterback, your downfield vision, your your vision across the middle, uh, goes way down just because you can't see over the line, and so it's gonna be it's gonna be a, a really you know Taggart and Arroyo and Crystal Ball and the offensive staff they're gonna they're gonna earn their paycheck uh, this week. Trying to find ways to get him into situations where he can make confident throws, safe throws, and yet still keep a defense honest. Uh, you know what I wouldn't be surprised to see is, is that diamond formation with with a bunch of running backs back there with him. And depending on Royce Freeman's health, you, maybe you insert Darian Felix, who, by the way, burnt his redshirt year along with um, Braxton Burmeister in that fourth quarter. Um, neither guy had played, but they both played and, and are now um, do not have now they got the redshirt, so they're going to be playing. Um, It'll be interesting to see if, the, if we see a little bit more of multiple back sets to kind of compensate for the lack of passing attack. Um, we have some more questions here. A guy we haven't mentioned, Dylan Mitchell, questions on how he's doing. It's kind of, we talked about this on Saturday, you know, Oregon's probably best receiver 
being injured is like <laughs> on the back burner without even talking yeah. about it. And we haven't really talked about some of these defensive injuries much either, but uh, it seems like we have some sort of update on Dylan Mitchell. Yeah, Mitchell is another guy that just has concussion or concussion-like symptoms uh, and is going to be week to week. He took that just brutal hit uh, by Foto, who was a teammate, yep. trying to go and hit a crack back and missed and unfortunately hit all that power on, on Dylan Mitchell. Um, the strange thing is is that Mitchell went off to the sideline. Uh, typically, when you're on the sideline, you have your helmet on. That's a sign that you're good to go. Mitchell didn't have his helmet on. He had it in his hand, yeah. but he didn't have it on for a while. And all of a sudden, then he just pops back in. Caught a pass. Caught a pass and then never came back again. So I'm, I'm wondering if he never should have been out there. Um, he snuck on. And he snuck on. Uh, but he never returned back again. You know, it's week to week with him as well. Um, he could be back this week. He, he could be back next week. And, you know, that's a position group where you're right. Charles Nelson was the, you know, the star of this group the first three games of the season. And then he got hurt during the game at Wyoming. Uh, and then in his place, Dylan Mitchell kind of emerged mm-hmm. as that receiver that everyone was, you know, that Herbert was connecting with. He had, he had five straight games with five catches or more. Going into California, uh, I don't think he caught a pass. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't catch a pass. Uh, he got one pass for three the, yards. That was the one he got. Came back yeah. and got hit. Yeah, he got one pass against uh, against California. And, uh, he's Oregon's leading receiver now in yards, receiving. I, I believe in yards. He is in receptions. Uh, he's up there in tight in, in touchdowns as well. Um, and so you're you're now out, Mitchell. You're now out, Charles Nelson, who in, in his place in their place is going to step up is kind of one of the big questions. We've seen Jalen Red the last couple of weeks yeah. see his usage go up. Um, maybe he finds a role. Maybe Taj Griffin finds a role after having that breakout performance uh, against Wyoming, and he really hasn't done anything the last two weeks. Uh, maybe this is an opportunity for Brendan Schooler, a guy who caught a touchdown pass uh, and had one catch for 37 yards in the score uh, against California. Maybe he you know becomes the guy that Oregon – was hoping he would be, but now needs him to be. Yeah, and and another name is Johnny Johnson, who's also yeah. played pretty well, true freshman. I wouldn't be surprised if Mitchell misses, you know, an extended period of time to see a guy like David Davis get his red shirt burned as well. That's a good point. Uh, they they have a couple. Dimitri Burks, another guy we mentioned earlier, he probably is going to be working with the quarterbacks. We would think though, um, they have some guys that haven't played. Uh, Malik Lovett, a guy who we were high Fadale, those guys maybe they step in and play bigger roles, but clearly you're you're down some. Some very important pieces offensively. We've got a couple more questions here. I think we've already talked about this, but we'll answer it really quickly. Um, Kevin asks, what is the depth behind Burmeister if Alley can't go? It's it's a walk-on quarterback from Lake Ridge High School who's a true freshman. Or Dimitri Birch. Or Dimitri Birch, who's a true freshman who wasn't Plays, expected to play a quarterback. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean that's going to be something that we're going to ask Taggart is, what's the update with Herbert and Taylor Alley? And then behind that, yeah. um, what happens if Burmeister goes down? Who who do you turn to? Who's the backup now uh, behind Burmeister? Um, that's going to be one of the biggest questions I think going going forward is what do they do? Yeah, and and this is where you know the losses of Terry Wilson, Travis Johnson, both you know Wilson left midway through the spring, Travis Johnson left in the summer. Those losses were notable at the time, but it puts Oregon in, it has put Oregon in a very difficult spot because they had two quality. Guys who have a decent amount of experience with the offense, with the program, college football, the more the older guys, those guys are gone. Now Oregon's looking at true freshmen or walk-ons to fill the spots, and that's not optimal at all. And 
Uh, everybody wants to play, but the reality is if they would have maybe been patient, they might be looking to be a starter on a pretty good football team for five weeks in the middle of the season yeah, or you, more. You go and you look at Oregon's you know, quarterback play the last decade, mm-hmm. You know, there's been, I think, every year but maybe two or three where Oregon's quarterback has gotten deemed up and he's either couldn't finish a game or had to miss a game. Uh, because of injury. I mean, we all know about Vernon Adams two years ago when he, he missed, I think, three games due to a broken finger. Um, yeah, you, you've got to be wondering what they're thinking. Now, I think you know, I, I went and looked at what Terry Wilson has been doing um, at a junior college that he's playing at, and his numbers haven't been all that impressive. Yeah. Um, Travis Johnson, obviously, you know, they, they've been passed up by Taylor Alley. So maybe, you know, maybe that tells you something. Um, about where they were at because uh, Taylor Alley had surpassed them. That's, I'm not downplaying Alley's play at all. Just yeah. you know, they've been they've been passed up. Um, but nonetheless, it would be nice to have another scholarship quarterback. <laughs> could, could help uh, on on this roster, especially a guy. Uh, and maybe they could have been able to preserve Burmeister's um, redshirt yeah. if, if they had one and, and it's you know, it's the what if game and you hate you hate to go down the what if game but yeah it's certainly a, a head scratcher and something that makes you, you you think a little bit um going forward wrapping up this 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 game from california um one of the things that i've been just absolutely blown away by and very impressed with uh with with oregon Especially on the defensive end, is the last two weeks, you go look at the defensive line play. I think they had 13 tackles for loss at Arizona State. They had 11 against California. Uh, I think they had eight or nine sacks against Arizona State. They had seven uh, against California on Saturday. This defensive line is night and day from where they were last season. And you know, Jalen Jokes has, has turned into a guy. I think. Is he's going to become? He's a guy. NFL teams are going to start looking at. Yeah. Not this season. He needs to come back for his senior year. But you know, six seven, two hundred fifty pounds, athletic, can get his hands on balls. Is showing that he can get sacks. He's had uh, a couple games. Last week he had three sacks. This week he had one. Uh, he had seven tackles for loss last week. He had one tackle for loss this week. You know, this is a guy that, that's morphing into. Uh, a tear off the edge, and quite honestly, it was probably one of the biggest question marks going mm-hmm. into the year. Yeah, and, and you also credit deserved to the the outside linebacker linebackers and inside linebackers. Um, yeah, Hollins that was, front seven. Hollins, Hollins and uh, Die are second in the conference in tackles for loss. Um, Jonah Moy has gotten a sack. Jonah I think Moy in four had, out of the five games. Yeah, didn't have one last game. I don't think, but he had. He had a half a sack. He did. Okay, so maybe he's gotten in all but one game. Um, this team is fourth nationally in sacks, which is. Pretty, pretty remarkable. They're averaging four sacks per game. Um, it is, it is very surprising, I think, just kind of what they've been able to do up front. And this is why, again, you go out and spend the money on a guy like Joe Salovea to teach those, those defensive, uh, linemen. And you spend the money on Raymond Woody and Jim Levitt to, to coach those linebackers because you're seeing tremendous improvement, which with, with what has basically been the exact same personnel yeah. on teams that did not have much pass rush and did not play the Warren Bright well. I mean, this is, Tremendous improvements. Um, Oregon is better by a large, large um, amount in just about every single defensive category. And there really isn't anything that they're doing worse. 
and everything they're doing, they're doing it much better. They've almost got 11 turnovers. They have 12 all of last year. Yeah. I mean, I mean, just across the board, improvement. You, you've added Malik Young and you've added Scott Pagano to this defensive line from last year. but I, and, and obviously Jordan Scott and Austin Fialo. Yeah. But I don't think Pagano or Young have have really even shown yet their true talents because they're still trying to get into football shape, trying to get 100% healthy. Um, and so you're you're operating basically, like you said, with the same group with the addition of two true freshmen who are each week – Impressing mm-hmm. me more and mm-hmm. more. Yeah. Uh, Oregon seems to have hit gold twice. Yeah. Uh, with Austin Fialo and Jordan Scott, two three-star nose tackles. Uh, that quite honestly, you know, on paper when they signed back in February, didn't look uh, as guys that hey, these are program changers or these are defensive you know program they changers. They weren't guys that program. I thought are going to come out and be the starting and the top two nose guards on the team all season. That's for sure. And that's what they've become. Yeah. And you, and you have to be extremely encouraged by the future up front with those two guys and some some pretty solid defensive end recruits coming in next year. And if, if those recruits turn out even, you know, three quarters as well as these guys, then you're, pretty, you're really you're good jackpot. And yeah. the defensive front's going to continue to be really good. Uh, another question from Kevin here. Why did Felix see time last week? Was Benoit or TBJ hurt? Or was it just mop-up time? Uh, Taggart said that they plan on playing him for about three weeks now, and they just hadn't had the opportunity. Games didn't really allow them to, do, to, to get him in there. Thought this was a good opportunity to play him, put him in there. I don't think there's any concern for injury with either of uh, those two players um, in terms of Ken I Benoit and Tony Brooks James. I think they're both healthy. I think it's those the sign of the uncertainty of, her, of Royce Freeman. Sure. And so you, have, you want to have three good running backs. You know, Taj Griffin probably would maybe move back over, except they don't have any depth at receiver. At receiver. So, uh, yeah, I expect Felix to play. Um, I think CJ Verdell is a guy that may have gotten the first reps, but he's been banged up now for, it's a guy behind the scenes. He's another true freshman running back that's been banged up behind the scenes now for a couple of weeks. So Felix is, is going to have an opportunity to play and play, you know, a, a decent amount potentially. Um, depending upon how games go. And if Oregon is intent on running the ball, like we think they're intent on running the ball going forward, you could be a guy that touches the ball five to ten times a game. I think it's interesting to go through the the list here of, of guys that are going to potentially play now uh, as true freshmen because of injuries, guys that were probably slated to redshirt yeah. um, and now are going to be put into a position where they may need to play. And, and it's it's – a interesting group because there's a lot of guys that were probably slated to redshirt and now are going to be forced to be on that ready ready list. Samson New and mm-hmm. Isaac Slade Matsutia, two linebackers. Um, wouldn't be surprised if Samson New is running with the second team. Or the first team. First team defense. Um, I, I don't know. I think Blake Redgraff Seeing, He'll probably be the starter. I mean, we, we should mention Kalana Apelu also suffered an injury and more than likely won't be playing for a little bit here. And, yeah. and now you're looking at another walk on. <laughs> I mean, Apelu is on scholarship now, nah, but it, not, but yeah. it wasn't until late August that when right. that happened. Um, and Troy Dye talked a lot about uh, Blake Rugraff as a guy that you know people are going to be impressed with because he's just now recovering from an injury. It sounds like that he suffered during fall camp. Um, he led the Ducks in tackles in the spring game. Uh, in this past spring, um, but and he played predominantly on the field. Uh, once he had six tackles last night. Yeah, when when Lana went down with an injury. Um, but I think Samson New and, and Isaac Slade Matotia are going to be two guys who are going to be in that ready ready list. 
uh, you already named Dimitri Birch and David Davis. Uh, both guys are going to be on that ready, ready list. I think more so Davis. Um, they probably will preserve Birch. If they he might, can. He, he's more likely to play a quarterback, probably. Yeah, at this if, point. if they can. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, Darian Felix has already played. Burmeister has now already played. Uh, and then you, you've got C.J. Verdell. I, I think it's probably safe to assume C.J. Verdell will, will get bumped up to the ready-ready list just because if Oregon suffers another injury at running back, they need to have three. Yeah. And you, you, it's going to go into what Felix was at. We'd like to maybe play him if we can, if we can get him in, but... You know, if, if, if we can't, it's a close game, we're gonna preserve them, but, you know, there's gonna be a lot of freshmen, I think they've played 12 already. Yeah. Um, that number could balloon to 14, 15. Yeah, I mean, it's funny, I predicted that Oregon would start, or not start, but would play 15 true freshmen this year, and they started, they debuted with 9, I think, against Southern Utah. Um, or maybe it was 8, I think it was 8 and that, that number built, um, after guys got healthy. Um, and now it's up to 12, and now I, I totally agree, I would be, honestly, it's, be surprised if one of those inside linebackers doesn't play. I, I'd probably be surprised if one of those receivers doesn't play. And if, you know, health up front and offensive line, you know, Jake Pasarczyk left, came back, and appears to be good. But if they have issues there, don't be surprised if Alex Forsyth, um, another true freshman offensive lineman, isn't rushed into... Uh, he's probably know, the closest. He's probably, the... I mean, the offensive lineman I have on, on, on tap, he's right. most likely to play. And it's just, you know, Oregon has had to take their lumps this year, and, you know, it's, it's so far so good in terms of your knock on wood. So far so good that true freshmen that have stepped in have played pretty well. I mean, a ton of credit needs to go to Thomas Graham and Diamante Lenore both played really well in that game. We talked about the nose guards. Johnny Johnson continues to play, you know, the high, very high percentage of snaps at wide receiver. Um, and now Braxton Burmeister looks like he potentially gets a start after, you know, he, what a transformation a couple of days for him. He goes from... Saturday all day, probably thinking, I'll, I'll be redshirting, I'll just consider over here and hold the clipboard, and five hours later, he might be the de facto starter. starter for three or four weeks. I mean, it's, I think it's curious, what do you do on Saturday against Washington State? And we'll wrap up the podcast with this, so if you've got questions and you're listening to us on Facebook Live, go ahead and drop them in now before we wrap things up here. But um, I'm curious to, to see what happens at backup quarterback if the game gets out of hand either way. Yeah. If it's the fourth quarter and let's say Washington State is up 49 to 14 or 50, you know, some, uh, whatever. The game is over. Yeah. And you're just trying to run the clock out. Um, you obviously need to get Burmeister reps and you need to get him ready to go. Um, but if you think Taylor Alley is going to be out for a couple of weeks, do you play a, a Michael Irwin or yeah. do you play a Dimitri Birch for just a couple series late in that fourth quarter? A to to make sure Burmeister doesn't get hurt, right? And B if he does get hurt down the road and Ali or Herbert aren't ready yet, you kind of have an idea of what you got behind Burmeister. Do you do you do you burn Irwin's red shirt too, um, just to have an idea of hey he's a walk on we you know if we don't want to play him. You know, but we'd love to redshirt him and, and have him in the system for a while. But at the same time, we need to win games. And if we, you know, we don't want to go into Stanford with Burmeister getting hurt and not having a clue of what we what we can do behind him. Um, there's going to be a lot of what ifs, I think, played out in the Oregon football office uh, this week of, before they play this, this Cougar game. Absolutely, and maybe we should wrap up by just saying how different we are. We, we had projected all season kind of eight, nine wins. I think you kind of have to be realistic here. Oregon has four and one. 
is facing five very good football teams in a row, does finish with Arizona and Oregon State, who at this point appear to be kind of the I think the Oregon, I think Oregon can beat I think Oregon can beat Arizona and can beat Oregon State at home with Burmeister at quarterback yeah. or Taylor Alley at quarterback and Royce Freeman not playing and Charles Nelson not playing. I think and the reason I have confidence in that is not because of the offense, but because I think Oregon's defense is good enough to keep those teams out of the end zone uh, and, and keep less than 21 points on the board. And both those teams' defenses are horrible. And while Oregon would be pretty one-dimensional, I think they can they can find a way to, to score 21 points against both those teams. So that would get them to six wins. Uh, but after that, finding six wins is going to be very, very difficult. Finding a seventh win, right. finding an eighth win is, is going to be very difficult and incredibly hard to find. I would probably circle Utah and UCLA as two games where their offenses haven't been incredible. Their defenses are good. Well, UCLA's defense isn't good. But, UCLA's bad. But those are games where maybe the Oregon defense comes out, forces a bunch of turnovers, holds them in check, and it's and they're able to sneak out with the win. I think those are the two games that look realistic. I just look at, not to be too down on the upcoming game, but Washington State, Washington, Stanford look like they have too much offensively um, to really expect the Oregon defense to hold them to what is probably going to have to be three three touchdowns. I don't think Oregon's going to be able to score more than that unless there's some defensive touchdowns or a bunch of turnovers or just everything bounces their way. Or maybe, who knows, maybe Braxton Burmeister is a heck of a lot better than they are giving <laughs> credit for, right. which we'll find out potentially this week. Um, but, yeah, it's it's certainly going to be one of those things where you're going to have to lean on this defense and lean on it more. We do have uh, a couple more questions here. It looks like actually just one from Darren. Got here late. Any word on Freeman? We talked about it. Just, wrap, just recap it really quick, and then we'll probably sign Yeah, up. Freeman uh, is deemed week-to-week, same as Taylor Alley, Dylan Mitchell, uh same thing with Jacob Breland and Nick Pickett as well. We never actually mentioned that at the top of the uh, podcast as yeah. well. Uh, all those guys are basically deemed week to week um, injuries. They they could be back this week. They could be back in a month. Uh, it just kind of depends on how their their bodies heal up uh, with their injuries. And then with with uh, Justin Herbert, we've reported it. Other outlets have reported it. Um, broken collarbone. Um, we'll get official confirmation here in less than an hour, probably, uh, from Willie Taggart uh, on on that. And then it's moving forward of how long is he going to be out? Four to six weeks? Is it going to be a couple weeks? Is it going to be the season? Yeah. Uh, we've been told it's not a season-ending injury, but you know he's going to miss a significant portion of the remaining schedule. This is kind of like that worst opportune time to to have like a <laughs> right. four or five week injury. Um, you would have better better off having heard it in the first game. Yeah. Than right now. I mean, this is. The worst possible spot in that bye week. That late bye week really bites Oregon here. I mean, having a bye week it's November, the week of November 11th, um, right after they play five extremely good teams. Man, if that was just a couple weeks earlier, you'd feel like okay, maybe we can regroup there and try to salvage the back yeah, end maybe, of the season. Yeah, maybe maybe you have it before the Utah game, or you'd feel you know, a lot better. You'd feel a hell of a lot better. Yeah, um, but that's gonna do it for us. Again, thanks for listening to the Duck Territory podcast. You can find us on iTunes uh, by searching for uh, the Duck Territory podcast. Uh, we're free on the iTunes. We also record these live on Facebook. So if you want to listen to us live and get your questions in and interact with us, go to facebook.com slash Oregon 247, like our page. Uh, we typically record our shows every Monday, and then we also record our preview show on Wednesday, so we don't release it until uh, sometime Thursday, late morning. Um, and then 
we also do plenty of Facebook Live updates on on Facebook Live video as well after every practice uh, and other games as well. So, uh, again, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you guys soon.